I believe that tonight. No matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what the enemy has done in your life, he'll bring you back home. I believe he's calling us back home tonight. But I also believe that there's a part that we have to play. We have to be willing to go. He can make a way. He can open your prison doors. But you got to be willing to walk out of it tonight. Let's talk to him tonight in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the spirit we feel in this place. Lord, your goodness, your mercy. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Lord, what it did for us. We thank you for this message, Lord, that it has returned us to a homeland. Lord, but tonight I pray that we'll find willing hearts that are ready, Lord, to get up and go. Ready to respond to the call and return home, Lord, where we're truly from because we're just pilgrims and strangers here. Lord, I'm asking that you'll just bless the word tonight. Lord, bless the reading of it. Lord, anoint this service. Anoint my lips, Lord. Lord, you saw, Lord, what you laid on my heart. I'm just asking you'll help me to deliver it, Lord, in a right spirit. Lord, understanding, Lord, that it's a late hour and it's time to go. And we don't have time to play with the world. We don't have time to flirt with the world. But, Lord, it's going home time. Lord, I just pray that you'll take control of this service now. Each person, each heart, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, tonight we're going to look into the book of Ezra, the first chapter, the first verse, and we'll be reading uh, quite a few scriptures as we go, Uh, may even read some from a few um, historical accounts. You know, the Lord lays things on your heart sometimes, and I I was even telling Brother Tim earlier tonight, I said, you know, uh, within ourselves as human beings, what we always want to do is preach the people happy. You always want to come with something within yourself that, that is going to uh, make everybody happy, but the thoughts that the Lord gives you isn't always that way. And so, you know, um, I was sitting there, and, and his sermon Sunday really blessed me because the Lord was already leaning me in this direction. And, and as he preached that, it just really confirmed to me where I was supposed to go. So you just join in with me tonight, and we'll, and we'll feast on the Word of God. Ezra 1 and 1 says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Amen. You have your seats tonight. We just ask the Lord to add his blessings to the reading of his word. Amen. what we're seeing here, what we're looking at as we read this scripture, we have come to the end of the Babylonian empire. And the beginning of the Persian Empire. We know that up until this time, the Jews have been serving the king of Babylon for 70 years, just as the prophet Jeremiah had foretold in Jeremiah 25. And it says in Jeremiah 25, 11, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. The the scripture had also told that Babylon itself would be destroyed. 
he, that it would be destroyed and that the Lord would pour out his wrath upon that nation and recompense them according to their deeds. And it says in Jeremiah 25, 12, and it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. And one thing that I want to point out right here, even as before we go any further, is that in your life and on this earth to, to all humanity, the devil has not gotten away with one thing. There is not one thing that he's gotten away with. The Lord says that I'm going to use Babylon. I'm going to use King Nebuchadnezzar to punish you for your evil deeds. He says, you have not heard all of my words. You have not regarded my judgments. And because of that, I'm going to allow these things to happen to you. I'm going to use Babylon as my instrument. But then I'm going to punish that king and that nation for their iniquities and what they do unto you. And if we look back, we know that man was in the mess that we're in tonight because of the fall. And Satan has had this run because of the fall and because of the deception that he brought in the beginning. But it was because of man's decisions. We're in this mess because of man. Man did this. And God says, okay, you chose wrong and you've done wrong and you didn't listen to my word. And because of that, things are going to be hard. Things are going to be difficult and Satan is going to do some awful things. But I promise you, he says, Satan will not win. He may do this and he may do that and he may make things very hard. But I promise you that the prayers of the saints are being stored up. There's not one that's been forgotten. He has not gotten away with one thing in your life. Sometimes it seems like he's gained a toehold. Sometimes it seems like things are going his way. But if you'll just look in the back of the book, he has not gotten away with one single thing. He will be paid back for all that he has done to God's children. So God tells them, he says, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Talking about the homeland that they're being taken captive from. Listen, he says, I'm not going to leave you in that sinful condition. Satan has had his, he's doing his work and he's got Satan's eating, but I'm not going to leave you there. But I will visit you. I will bring my good word to pass. He says, because I know the thoughts that I have towards you. He says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to pour out my wrath upon this kingdom and upon this king. But I'm going to bring you back to where you came from. Israel had gone into captivity because they had fallen away from the one true and living God. God had done everything that he could to get the people of Israel to repent. He had sent servants. He had, he had sent his prophets and they had come and told them to turn from their evil ways he had told them to stay true to the Lord. He had told them over and over and he was very long suffering with them, but they would not turn. They would not repent. They would not quit flirting with the world. So we see in Jeremiah 25 and five, they said, turn ye again now, everyone from his evil way, from the evil of your doings and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands. And I will do you no hurt. And yet Israel continued to sin. They continued to, 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 to not hearken to the voice of the Lord. And in so doing, they fall into the judgment of the Lord. They continue to flirt with the world, even though a prophet told them not to. Hello, somebody. 
They continue to flirt with the world. They continue to pursue other gods, even though the word told them not to. Listen, one thing we have to come to, to, to recognize is that sowing and reaping is a law of God. There are consequences to your decisions. There are consequences to your actions. Many times we look around and we say, why God, why God, why God? And the answer is you. You know, I hate to be that way, but we have to be real with ourselves. So many times it's the devil and the devil and the devil and the devil didn't even do it. You did it. Why am I here, Lord? Because you chose to be there. Why am I going through this situation? Because that's the road you chose. There is sowing and reaping to every decision that you make in your life. We cannot flirt with the world, church. We cannot act like the world. We cannot dress like the world. We can't give the world and worldly pleasures all of our time and then just expect God to continue blessing you, continue protecting you, continue in in this umbrella where Satan can't get to you. There comes a time where if you act like this kingdom and you live like this kingdom and you dress like this kingdom, then, but you can't expect the protection from that kingdom. He says, if you want to look that part and play that part and act that part, then you get that part with them. We have to recognize that we can't keep flirting with the world. You can't just expect the blessings to continue, especially when you identify more with the kingdom of the world than you do with the kingdom of God. You're going to have to reap what you sow. Brother Brown says, then these brethren who has gone away from the promised land down into Babylon carried away because their sins had separated them from God. In other words, he didn't say because the Babylonians did this. Why were they in Babylon? Their sins. Their sins had separated them from God. He says, and I'm just old fashioned enough to believe tonight this, that when the church or any individual begins to play and flirt with the world, you're going to have the same experience. You get away from God, you get away from truth. He's saying your sins will separate you from God. He says, when you get away from God and you begin to flirt with the world and do things of the world, you're going to have the exact same experience that Israel had. Somebody's going to come in and take you. Some spirit's going to come in and take you. Something's going to come and bind you up. Something's going to carry you out of the house of God. It's going to carry you out from the protection of the, of the word. It's going to carry you out from the protection of your brothers and sisters when you continually flirt with the world. Brother Branham says, when you get away from God, when you get away from truth, you're about to end up in the exact same place that Israel ended up in captivity, bound up. Your flirtations will always lead you further than you ever intended to go. Because you take that first step and you're scared and you're like, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. But then you take it again and you get a little bit more comfortable there. And, and everything's okay. You know, God didn't strike me dead. I'm, I'm okay. And eventually you go further and further. And what happens is your conscience becomes seared. To where things that used to be little things now are nothing. And things that used to be big things are now little things. And you progress in sin and you progress in your flirtation to where it becomes much more than a flirtation. You become identified with the things of the world. Your flirtations will take you to a place of captivity, take you to a place of slavery and imprisonment. And when you get there, there will be no joy there. There will be no victory there. There will be no overcoming life there. In that place, you are defeated. 
What are you saying, brother? I'm saying break your flirtations with the world. Go with your whole heart into the word. Go with your whole heart into serving the Lord. Recognize there is but one true and living God. Well, brother, and I don't serve other gods. What do you do with your time? What do you do with your time? What idols do you have lifted up in your life? What idols of Hollywood or idols of entertainment? What other gods are there that's drawing you away, pulling you away to where God's looking at? He's a jealous God. And you've turned your back and you got time for this and time for that and time for that. But I just can't make it on Wednesday. I'm too busy. You aren't busy for your entertainment. You aren't busy for your fun. You aren't busy for your job. But you look at this. Listen, when you're proud, you will always fulfill your priorities. Period. You will always fulfill your priorities. Period. If you didn't read your Bibles, because it's not a priority. If you didn't pray, it's not a priority. If you're not at church, it's because it's not a priority. And in that place, you get drug away to where you're living in a lukewarm place and you don't even realize it, but you're captive. And you're bound up and there's no joy there and there's no victory there. But I don't want to leave you in that place tonight. I want to tell you, you don't have to stay there tonight. You don't have to stay in that place tonight. You don't have to stay bound tonight. You don't have to stay defeated tonight. I'm thankful you don't got to stay there. But there's one who came and made a way. There's mercy for you tonight. There's grace for you tonight. There's deliverance for you tonight. But you have to accept it. You have to make the move. You have to walk towards it tonight. If you've been taken captive, if your victory's been robbed, if your joy's been robbed, if your dance is long forgotten, if you've backslidden into captivity, don't stay there tonight. There's one saying, come home. I want to bring you back home. I want to bring you back to the cross. I want to bring you back to fellowship. I want to bring you back to where you were robbed from, where you were taken from. He wants to bring you back home tonight. You don't have to stay in that condition. Jeremiah 29 and 10 For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What he's prophesying of is the end of the Babylonian kingdom. And there's a new king coming. There's a Persian king coming. Oh, come on, church. You were bought. You were taken into slavery. You were taken into sin. You had to serve that king. You were bound by that king. But there's another king coming. There's another kingdom coming. There's one on the way that's going to break your bonds. There's one on the way that's going to set you free. There's another king coming to crush this kingdom. There's another king on his way. Let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, man was taken captive of his own decisions. Eve flirted with the world. She flirted and she sidestepped one word of God. What did Brother Branham say when you do that? Same experience. Same experience. And so what you find just as Israel is taken down into Babylon, we see that man is exiled from God. Man is carried away from the guard. Man is carried out of his presence. And now they're serving another king. Now they're servants to death. There was reaping now that must be done. There was captivity. There was sorrow. Satan now ruled. Satan now accepts authority. Brother Brown says sickness, disease, affliction, sin, everything held the little group of Adam's race at bay that no one could do nothing about. 
where the law and the judgments and the prophets and everything that had been sent had failed. Nothing could be done. Human race was doomed. The great armies of hell was marching on well-trained and in their ranks, every man to his place. We were held captive. We were held captive, but there was a word that said there's another king coming. Ezekiel saw him as a wheel in the middle of the wheel. Daniel saw him as a stone hewed out of the mountain without hands. Abraham ate with him underneath the tree there at Mamre. All the prophets prophesied of him. There's one coming that will perform his good word because he knows the thoughts that he has of you. He's not going to leave you bound. He's not going to leave you in captivity, but he's coming to break your shackles. There's another kingdom coming. And he says, I'll take you back home. I'll take you back to where you were once at. The yoke of the oppressor is broken. And that doesn't just go for sinners tonight. It's not just sinners that need to go back. It's not just people off the street that don't know God that need to return. You know good and well that there's a lot of us who haven't returned all the way. There's a lot of us that haven't gone all the way back to where the message was taking us to. All the way back to the land of the Holy Ghost. All the way back to the land of all things are possible. All the way back to everything that Jesus died for. Back to every redemptive blessed. Back to the faith of the fathers. Some of us still got some ways to go. Some of us maybe have turned. But he wants to take us all the way back. All the way back. Not just part of the way. Not just a little bit. He's not leaving us out here in the wilderness. He wants you to cross over. He says, I'm taking you back. I'm taking you where you came from. This is not your home. There's another home. And I want you to go back. I want you to go back. Come home, all my children. He wants to take you back tonight. But in order to go back there, we got to go back where the message was taking us to. You're not going to go back there if you don't go back now. Cyrus, the king of Persia, had arrived in 539 BC. And he crushed the Babylonian kingdom. Now we go back to Ezra 1. Verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he's come in and he's taken control. That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. That he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also into writing saying. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now notice. Here comes the challenge. Who is there among you of all his people, his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Years ago, before my daughter Aaliyah was born, Brother Tim preached a sermon about this. But this word go up or ascension, the Hebrew word is Aaliyah. Today, today it commonly refers to the act of Jewish people returning to live in Israel from other parts of the world. If they, if they go back to their homeland, it said they, they've taken an Aaliyah and they've returned to their homeland. And, and the call of Cyrus here, the king of Persia, 
uh, down through the ages has been used as an adage for an Aaliyah. Very specifically, this scripture speaks of the Aaliyah. It speaks of it again in 2 Chronicles 36 and 23. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me. And he had charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord, his God be with him and let him go up or let him take an Aaliyah. He says, now tonight, this is where the rubber is going to meet the road because the challenge goes out. Who is there among you who's willing to return? Not who's there among you that's willing to say, I believe the message. No, that's not what he said. It was a proclamation. The whole nation heard it. They knew it was true. It was signed by the king. There was no debate as to whether or not this edict was from the king. But he's saying, who will go? Who's willing to take the challenge? Who's willing to go back? This is where that we, can, we see that your shackles can be completely broken. The prison doors completely opened. But you still have to walk out. You can see your captor defeated, a message of freedom delivered by the king, and you still have to be willing to go. History says if we were to attach a percentage, perhaps those who left Babylon, now Persia, it would amount to no more than 10%, possibly as little as 5%. That is 90 to 95% of Jews who had been living in the Babylonian empire by their own choice, elected not to return home. We'll stay here. We, we believe the message. Yeah, Brother Brown's a prophet, but I'm not going all the way back there. I'm not going all the way back to Pentecost. I, I'm not follow, I'll follow it as far as that we're not a denomination. I'll follow it as far as dress code, but I'm not going all the way back. I'm too comfortable right here where I'm at. Tonight we're speaking to you on the comforts of Babylon. The comforts of Babylon. I read this and I thought, wait, what? 95% declined to go. And the reason is because for most of them, Babylon was home. They were no longer looking at themselves as pilgrims and strangers. They were looking at themselves as this is where we live. The Jews had assimilated and they were now in harmony with their new surroundings. God forbid that we can ever become in harmony with the surroundings of this world. They were now in harmony. They were generally at peace with the Persians, the Medes, and the scores of other ethnic cultures that formed the empire. It doesn't even really seem possible how it got to this point. These people that had yearned to go home, these people that when it first started out and they, and they were called out of denominations, all they wanted was to go home. All they wanted was, was the power of God in their services. All they wanted was to leave this place. All they wanted was to get back home with the Lord Jesus. These people yearned for home. They were pilgrims and they were strangers and they said, we don't belong here. They had once been so homesick that they struggled to even worship in Babylon. They couldn't worship. 
Psalms 137.1 says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Oh, they wanted to go back. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. They couldn't even sing the songs of Zion. They were so homesick. They were so broken to think about it. Just hurt them so much. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion. Oh they were being mocked. Oh sing about your great God now. Sing about your great king now. Sing about your homeland now. Oh and it hurt so bad. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem. Who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be. That rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Does this sound like people that are wanting to stay in Babylon? Does this sound like people that are happy and content? And after a while, many of the ones who originally had come died off. And you had generations of those who had never experienced the homeland for themselves. They had never experienced freedom for themselves. They had been bound up and held captive in dead churches their entire life. The moving of the spirit was just a story. The healings of people was just a story. Being filled with the Holy Ghost was just a story. They had been captive their whole life. And so they were comfortable where they were. They were okay where they were. They were born in Babylon. It was all they knew. Everything was just a story. And so when the king made the call to go up, listen, Israel knew how difficult this would be. They knew the condition of the homeland. They knew between here and there, there was no safety. They knew it would be a difficult journey. They knew there was so much work to be done once they returned. They knew the road was long and hard. And when you're surrounded by difficulty and you're surrounded by Laodicea, and evil and sin and lukewarmness is all around. And it's harder than ever to take an Aaliyah. It's harder than ever to go up. If all of this is just a story to you. If all of this is just a story. If it's not a reality to you. Then you're going to sit back and go no I'm good. I'll stay in the condition I currently find myself in. Oh brother Ann have you ever been to that home? And no I've never been there. But I've been in contact with it. It's not just a story. It's a reality. And when it becomes a reality, you don't care the hardship. You don't care what you go through. You don't care about the mocking. I want to go back. I want to be there. I want to live there forever. That's my home. I can't stay here. I'm not comfortable here. The sins of this world make me sick. I just want to go back. Because I've been in contact with that place. But if you haven't and it's just a story, then are you willing to fight for a story? Are you willing to give your life for what may be true? It's got to be a reality to you. You have to contact a living God for yourself. Because if you don't, when it comes time to take the journey, you're going to stay right where you are. 
At first, they hated Babylon. At first, they dreamed of home. They prayed for home. Still in Psalms 137, verse 4, read this again. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They say, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Oh, they longed for home. It was their desire at that point to be in every service. It was their desire at that point to pray every night. They craved devotion time in the presence of their maker. They couldn't wait till the doors open on Wednesday night. It was their desire to serve him with their whole heart. But soon they began to become focused on tarrying in Babylon. You say, Brother Aaron, we we have to live. We have to go about our regular life. We have to have a house. We have to have a car. We have to have some pleasures. That's fine. Won't argue with that. But you can never allow those things to replace your desire to leave here. To replace your desire to go home. You know, Israel was actually given instruction to do just that. They were given instruction to tarry. They were given instruction to plant their potatoes, as it were. They were given instruction to thrive where they were at while they were there. Here are the instructions, Jeremiah 29 and 4. The prophet says to them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, until all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons. Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Oh, brother Aaron, it sounds like they were doing exactly what they were told to do. They were. That's exactly what they were told to do. But in so doing, they lose focus. Verse 10 is the important part. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. They lose focus on this right here. It became about tearing. It became about being successful here. It came about staying here. How comfortable can we be here instead of he's coming back. He's coming back and he's going to take us home. Yes, I want to provide for my family. Yes, I want a good living, but he's coming back. This is all atomic fodder. It's all going to burn. I want eternal things. He's coming back. They get too caught up in the tearing. Too busy to think about leaving. Too busy for Wednesday nights. They get comfortable in Babylon. Why shouldn't the opportunity to return to the promised land, why didn't it cause a mass exodus from Babylon? Total, I believe the scripture puts it at about 42 to 43,000 that came back out of millions. And they didn't all come at once. They came in four different aliyahs. 
They didn't all just up and decide to leave. They had become full and active members of the Babylonian society. Many prospered. So many second and third generation Jewish Babylonians had no interest in leaving. That term there, Jewish Babylonians, struck me, sounded a lot like message Laodiceans. They were no longer Jews of the homeland. They were Jewish Babylonians. Guys, we can't be Laodiceans. This bride will by no means be a Laodicean. You have to break free of that tonight. There's a king that broke those chains. There's a king that said, you don't have to stay here. You can go back to the homeland. You can go back, but you ain't going to get back staying where you're at. You're not going to get free staying where you're at. You got to be willing to move. You got to be willing to admit where you are before you'll be willing to move. That's the problem. That's why so many people don't journey on and take another step because they can't admit where they're at. And they're lukewarm and they're backslidden and they're cold and they're formal. And so they stay in Babylon. Message Laodiceans. Identifying as message but never breaking free from the hold of Laodicea. Accumulating too much stuff along the journey and it keeps you from crossing over. That's exactly what happened with Reuben and Gad. And we dealt with that a, a few months back. To where along the journey in the wilderness, they had accumulated so many herds and they had so many animals that when they saw the grasslands on this side of the Jordan, they said, well, it'd be better for us if we don't cross over. I'm more comfortable on this side than I am in the promised land because of everything I've accumulated, because of all my success, because of all the blessings I have. Don't let your blessings become a curse. The rich young ruler was mighty blessed, but it's the blessings that turned into a curse that took him straight to hell because he couldn't walk away from them. Don't let your blessings be a curse. Don't let them make you comfortable here. You can't get to, listen, I don't know if you looked around lately, church, but things are getting pretty bad. Things are getting pretty awful. If you're still comfortable here, it makes me wonder about the spirit on the inside of you. How can you be comfortable here? I want to declare tonight, we can't stay here much longer. We can't stay here. The fire is going to fall and somebody's going to take an Aaliyah. Somebody's going to ascend. Somebody's going to go back. Somebody's going home. You can't stay here much longer. Turn your focus from staying and turn your focus into leaving here. Go home. Go home. Go home. Go back. We can't get comfortable here. There's a call tonight. There's been an edict by the king, and he says, who will go up? Who will take an Aaliyah? Who will do the Lord's work? But Israel had settled down and got comfortable where they were because, well, we're God's chosen people. We're in the message. Yeah, at first it was awful in this foreign land. You remember how it was when you first got saved? When you first got that first touch of the Holy Spirit, you wanted nothing to do with the world. Prayer was easy. Church was all you looked forward to all week because you were miserable in a foreign land. You didn't feel at home until you came into the presence of God. And yet in this condition, at first they pressed on. And they even, the, the, the histories would say they maintained their national spirit. That's good. And their religious identity, they maintained it even in the midst of the persecutions. Even as the Babylonians would mock them, sing us one of your songs. 
but they hung their harps on the willow tree because in Babylon, songs of victory were hard to sing. There was no dance in Babylon. At this time, there were elders and there were prophets such as Ezekiel that kept the hope of returning home alive. Scholars believe it was during this time that synagogues were established. Now, notice this is a good thing. But they allow it to turn into a curse. Because services began to be held. They observed holidays in these synagogues. They prayed in these synagogues. They practiced circumcision here. The traditions, the traditions, the traditions of their religion was carried on in these synagogues. Why do I need to go back to the temple? I got a synagogue right here in Babylon. We're keeping the traditions alive. Everything's going just fine right here. And over time, as their oppression seemingly got less, they began to get very comfortable staying in Babylon and practicing their religion in a strange land. Why go home when we have synagogues here? Why go home when we can keep the law here and we can worship here? Why go back when we can still go to church and fulfill our duties and still be message and we can keep all the traditions of the message? Why do we have to go back? We have this and they began to settle into the tradition of the message. The tradition of the law. The tradition of what they were supposed to be. They settled into the traditions of the homeland. And they began to allow. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with tradition. If, if you're in my house, my daughter is such. Tradition is very important. Like if you're like on Thanksgiving, we're eating this. Well, that's not what we ate last Thanksgiving. And we have to keep tradition. So I'm not against traditions, but they began to allow tradition to satisfy their craving for a living God. Their traditions began to satisfy them. And instead of being miserable, they began to feel comfortable. Instead of an overcoming life, they had tradition. Instead of the power of God, they had traditions. And that tradition bound them. And now the sum of those who had longed in the early years to leave Babylon, who had longed to get back, they had hung their harps up on the willow tree in sorrow. And now they decided, I don't need to take my harp down again. It looks just fine right there. I don't need joy on a Wednesday night. I don't need joy. I'm going to leave my harp at home. I'm just coming to sit because that's my tradition. I don't need my harp. Why do I need to dance in church? That's not my tradition. My tradition is that I come and I sit there. And the traditions begin to settle in. I don't need praise. I don't need to sing and dance. I don't need to return to the faith of the fathers. I have my traditions. And their harps stayed on the willow tree. And there were many who read the word. And there were many who read the prophet's message. And yet they had no intention of leaving. So there was no victory dance, there was no shout, there was no deliverance, there was no worship because they were comfortable. They had their traditions. Brother Branham would say because they wouldn't walk after the ordinance of God, wouldn't keep his commandments, God called King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take them captive down into the land of Babylon. Many of us remember the famous old story of how they hung their harps on the weeping willow tree and they could not sing the songs of Zion. All their victory was lost 
Not because that God wanted to take it away from them, but because their own sin had separated them from God. That's the reason tonight that many of the Christians hasn't got the victory. It's because their sins have separated them from the blessings, cut off, out in a desert place alone, and our hearts are hanging on the weeping willow tree, and we can't enjoy the songs of the church. Well, I don't like that song. Them people run around the church and and that song just works them people up and I don't like that beat I'm sorry that you're in Babylon I'm sorry that your harp is hung up somewhere and you have no victory and you have no dance and you have no shout but don't get mad at me because I do and I'm also not mad at you for where you are I'm just telling you you ain't got to stay there you can get your harp and you can join us you can taste of the homeland and it won't just be a story anymore you can taste of the homeland and suddenly you'll have a little bit of a shout you'll have a little bit of a dance why? because you'll have a little bit of victory and then you won't be so critical you won't have time to be critical because you'll have your own shout you'll have your own dance you'll have your own victory and you'll look up and you'll be down the road from Babylon heading home going home go back home You can't go home with your harp still hung on the willow tree. Take your harp down. Enter into worship. Or stay where you're at and die. And in that condition, they lose faith. And the task of returning home seems difficult. The journey seems too long. The work that awaits them seems overwhelming. And they get bound up in comfort. They get bound up in tradition. History says there was another reason that so many of these Jews elected to stay in Persia. It's because Judah was a disaster area. The main city of Jerusalem had its defensive walls torn down. That's exactly why they needed to go back. And the temple was in shambles. That's exactly why they needed to go back. There was practically no working economy. What would the returnees do for a living? Where would they live? Tents and temporary shelters didn't look very attractive compared to the well-ordered mud brick homes in organized towns and villages that they resided in in Persia. You know, they didn't have a problem staying in tents when they were journeying to the promised land, when their goal was on getting to the promised land. But now, no, no, we don't want to stay in that kind of lodging. Look at our nice home. Who's going to take care of us? The same God that fed you in the wilderness? The same God that brought water from a rock and rained manna down out of heaven? The same God that's seen you through every other trial? That's the God that's going to take care of you. Don't be comfortable in Babylon. If you've got to leave a job, leave a job. If you've got to walk away from friends, walk away from friends. I know one that will be closer than a brother to you. I know one that will provide for you. But whatever you got to do, get out of Babylon. Get out of Babylon. Let go of your comforts. There's a call to go home. Do whatever you got to do, but you got to leave Babylon. Their trust in God is no longer there. They're looking at how hard it's going to be. They're looking at material things. Listen, tonight, this ain't a message against stuff. This ain't a message against being comfortable because you have air conditioning in your house. Amen. Amen. This is about getting comfortable and too complacent where you're at in your walk. Being comfortable where you're at in your walk. You should be desperate tonight for more of God. You should be desperate to go back. You should be desperate to return home. 
the, the, this message didn't come so that, that you could stay in a denominational mindset. The message didn't come so you could claim message and have the spirit of mystery Babylon on you. Sit by comfortable where you're at. Listen, there's no victory in your comfort. There's no victory there in Babylon. Brother Branham says, notice when they were captured and carried away into Babylon because they tried to impersonate the nations of the world. What a beautiful picture today of the church trying to impersonate the world out yonder and carried away, listen to this, carried away, carried away with their living. The church lives just the same as the world does, carries on, acts just like it and everything else, claiming to be the church. You can't do that. No, sir, your very life proves what you are. You can't get so comfortable here that you began to live like the Babylonians. You can't get caught up in living like the world. You can't get caught up in your pursuits of the world or the jobs. Yes, you must have a job. But always remember that we've been called to come out of her, my people. If that job will keep you here, you need to leave that job. Come out of her, my people. It can't be a denominational life. It can't be a Sunday and Wednesday life. But here in Laodicea, that lukewarm spirit tries to lull you to sleep. And it tries to make you feel comfortable. And it offers so many pleasures. It offers so many pleasures to keep you from advancing. And yet because we got our traditions. And because we do our duty. And because we come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, we feel like we're okay. But it was their very traditions that gave them a false sense of security. It was the very traditions and the attending the services that made them think, I don't have to go back. It was those very things that made them think, I don't need to go back and help with the temple. I don't need to go back and help rebuild the wall. I don't need to return. Why go back to Pentecost when I can just say, I believe God sent a prophet? Why go to the upper room? Why shout and dance and do all those things when I can just say, I believe on the Lord? Why go back? Because there's an edict from the king that says you must go back. There's an edict from the king that says, I'm sending you a prophet to turn your hearts back. That's why you must go back. It's not up for debate. It's not up for, well, I think this and I think this. The prophet was sent to turn your hearts back to the faith of the fathers. You have no choice but to go back. And if you won't go back, it shows your colors. Brother Branham said that's what separated Judas from the others. When it came time to go to the upper room, he couldn't go there. So when you refuse to go back there, just look at the company that you're choosing to keep. You are identifying yourself with one who will follow Christ up until the upper room. Which makes you a betrayer. That's harsh, brother, and that's just in the that's just what Brother Brown said. That that's what separated him. He could follow all the way up till the upper room. You gotta be willing to go all the way back. You gotta be well, brother Aaron, I don't have the Holy Ghost yet. Are you saying I'm Judas? No. Not saying that at all. I'm saying you can't have the attitude of I'm not going. You can't have the attitude of I don't need more. You got to have the attitude of God. If that's what I got to have, that's what I'm getting. If that's where I got to be, that's where I'm going. If you're calling me out of this place tonight, that's where I'm heading. I'm going to do whatever you're asking me to do. That's what I'm saying to you tonight. 
That's what I'm saying to you tonight. Don't be like one that says, I've got enough, so I don't need to go anywhere. You're too comfortable in Babylon. Some of the Jews probably refused to move due to the comforts of Babylon. This is straight out of encyclopedia. Many of them had been born in Babylon during the exile, and they knew nothing else. They were comfortable where they were. What snared them? What snared them? The thought that they could have our religion in Babylon too. The thought that I can be a message believer and partake of Laodicea too. No, you can't. No, you can't. What's going to happen is one day there's going to be a rapture. And because there's Laodicea found in your heart, you're not going. If you're going to go then, you have to turn back now. You have to return home now. They were snared by believing that they were okay because they were doing what Jeremiah the prophet said do. They were building houses. They were taking wives. They were planting gardens. Are you saying they were snared by the message? Nope. They were snared by what man made out of the message. Be careful. Say what the prophet said. Don't put your own little season into it. Don't put your own little twist to it. Because what men make out of the message is what snares people where they're at. Not what the message said. Not what Brother Brown taught. Snared by traditions. And so because of this, they no longer sensed the need to return to Jerusalem. And their faith became bound up. Their worship became bound up. The task seemed too hard. Why do that when I can stay right here and still worship? Don't ever let that spirit of Babylon cage up your worship, cage up your walk, cage up your relationship with the Lord. Don't ever get into a lukewarm walk and let that spirit of Babylon of Laodicea settle on your heart. Don't let it come in and bind your faith. We got too many people sitting around with bound up faith tonight. Oh, I don't have any faith. That's not true. Every man has a measure of faith. But a lot of us have allowed that faith to be bound up by lukewarmness and bound up because why do I need one? It's time some of us turn our faith loose tonight. Quit speaking in doubt. Well, my kids this and my son that and my daughter this and this sickness and that sickness. Your faith is bound up. Your faith is bound up. And I'm telling you, why don't you turn your faith loose? Quit standing there and spinning it around and around and around and around and the giant's still standing there. And here you are with your faith. Here you are with your faith. This ain't hurt a single giant yet. This ain't killed a single devil yet. But your faith still bound up in the slingshot but I'm telling you tonight one time if you'll just turn it loose if you'll just turn your faith loose come out of the cage get loose get free go home turn your faith loose and watch the giants fall watch the prison doors open and then walk out walk out go back home return to freedom return to victory return to joy turn your faith loose tonight It's been bound up too long. Bound up too long. Turn your faith loose. Let it hit the mark tonight. Let it take your giant down tonight. Loose your faith. But you can't do it if you're comfortable here in Babylon. Quit spinning it round and round and round and cut it loose. Get out of your comfort zone. Take your harp off the willow tree. Sing the songs of Zion. Sing the songs of victory. Dance a victory dance. Let yourself go. Turn loose in his presence. You're too comfortable here in Babylon. Take an Aaliyah tonight in the presence of God and go up higher. 
Shake off Babylon. Come on, it gets on all of us. It's like a smoke. Smoke gets in everything. But some of us get to where we kind of like it. Get some of that smoke on me. You walk around smelling like smoke all the time. The stench of sin's all over you. The stench of a life that isn't overcoming is all over you. Well, nobody knows. Oh, please. Everybody knows. It's because people are talking. No, the stench of smoke's all over you. Nobody got to say nothing. There ain't no victory. It was easier to live in Babylon. The clothes, the food, the houses, the gardens. This ain't even in my notes, but it comes to me, so I want to tell you. How many of y'all have ever heard of the seven wonders of the world? Well, one of them was the hanging gardens of Babylon. Lots of debate about those gardens because they haven't found any archaeological evidence. But lots and lots of writings from that time period would say they were there. And a lot of people think they didn't actually hang, but they were actually built on rooftops. So it looked like gardens in the sky. But the writings of more than one writer say, and boy, this just hit me when I read this, that the king of Babylon built those because he had taken a queen from another country and he built those gardens to make her less homesick for her home. He made it so beautiful and so nice so she would forget about home. Because at first she wasn't happy there. She didn't like it there. She missed the rolling lush hills of home. She missed all these things. And he says, I'll fix that. Listen, I don't care what pleasures the devil brings in your life. Don't let it make you forget about home. I don't care what he offers you or what he presents you or what sin and what pleasures. The pleasures of sin for a season forsake those things. There's a homeland we got to go to. Don't forget where you came from. Don't ever quit being homesick. Don't ever quit be drawing back home. Don't get comfortable here in Babylon. No matter how beautiful they make it. No matter what they offer you. But Israel began to live like Babylonians. They began to eat like them. They began to dress like them. Uh oh. Enjoying all that Babylon had to offer, and they were lulled to sleep because they had a form of godliness. They were lulled to sleep by their tradition of worship. They still had service, still called on God. And the king says, Go up, return to the homeland. I said, No. No, we like it here. Brother Brown says, Many times we let the world slip in. That's what's the matter with our churches today. We let down a little bit here and there. And the devil has come in from one place to the other, taking a little bit, slip in here, just a little of this place here and a little of that place there. And the first thing you know, it's got the whole thing in a confusion. But I pray to God that during the time of this old-fashioned rally that we're having here, that men will forget their traditions, all the things that has hindered and lay aside every weight and come back to an old-fashioned meeting where people will be born again. I pray that God will give us hundreds of spirit-filled people at the altar there praying through to God over sinners and things that comes in during this meeting. He says, oh, what a difference. But we don't feel like we have to do that because Laodicea, Babylon has produced an age of soft living and comfort. He says the pressures of the dark ages was either bend or be broken, bow or die. It was the inquisition, the power of the empire backing up satanic worship. Be organized or pay with your life. 
Each age had its pressures. For example, a great burden of this last age is the pressure of riches and soft living and nervous tensions, tensions in a complex age that were seemed unfit to live in. One of the attacks is soft living, comfort, comfort. Listen, that's the last thing I want at Evening Light Tabernacle. That's the last thing I want is a church where I can be comfortable in a lukewarm condition. Oh, come on. We're going to get real here for just a minute. Because see, that's what happened there in Babylon. I don't want to be in a place where sin isn't dealt with from the pulpit. I don't want to go to that church. In Mystery Babylon, that denominational spirit says we don't have to go back. We can worship on Sundays and Wednesdays and we can keep the tradition. That is exactly what the message called us out of. How dare us walk right back into that thing, into that denominational spirit. Run from that comfort. Run from that comfort. There's no victory in that comfort. There's no overcoming life in that comfort. There's an Aaliyah happening right now. There are people turning their hearts back. There's a people getting ready to leave. There's a people getting ready to go. And there's people that are comfortable. There's people preparing to leave. Don't sit in your current condition. Get your heart down from the willow tree. See, originally they wanted to go back where, to, where they, uh, to, to what they were called to be, to the land they were called to be in. But they got so traditional. Look, we get so, tra- we get so dignified in churches and how we think people are supposed to act. To where everything has to be just a certain way. We get so to where you can't say nothing in the church. Tradition gets so into where it'll bind the ministry to where they're afraid to say something without somebody going... Because that just goes against our tradition a little bit. Well, you shouldn't say, listen, I, I saw reading, they were Brother Branham. He's talking about going swimming with his friends with no clothes on. And then he turns around and equates that with how we ought to come to Jesus. How dignified does that sound? Yeah, I put it here in my notes. He would preach about swimming with no clothes on in the creek. And then relate that to how we ought to come. He says, he says, didn't have much clothes to begin with. And his overalls was only held up with a nail. Said while the other boys trying to get all their clothes off, I just pulled the nail. (laughs) He says, I think that's about the way we ought to come to Christ. That's right. With not too many traditions to lay down. Just pull one nail and jump in. That's all. Amen. So I pulled the nail and the clothes stood there in the air. Woo. How dignified. He said, I pulled the nail and the clothes stood there in the air. He says, I hit the water before the clothes hit the ground, running as hard as I could go and never hardly able to get a haircut. I come up, my hair was hanging over my eyes. They wanted to know whether the water was good or not. They were sitting down, taking off their shoes and stockings and things. If I held up one finger, it was cold. Two fingers was right. Well, brother, I got into another water one time. Let me tell you something. It's the waters of salvation. I hold up two fingers. He said, it's good. Come on in. It's good. Come on in. Hallelujah. He says, come try it for once. That's right. Come on in. Oh, he says, don't be scared. He said, come on in. Jump right in. Just lay down all your traditions. Now listen to your dignified prophet. Strip and come right in. He says, strip and come right in. How about you strip yourself of your pride tonight? Strip yourself of your tradition. Strip yourself of what other people think. Strip all that junk off. 
strip it all say I'm getting in the water I'm coming out of this I'm stripping down God you can have all of me I don't want this junk no more strip away all the stuff of the world strip away Babylon strip away Laodicea it's time to go home it's time to go home hallelujah You can stay saying, time to get away from all your traditional ideas. Musicians, you can come. Get away from everything that you think the prophet said about this and about that and church order. Some of y'all done ordered yourselves straight into a Baptist. Lay all that stuff down. You're too comfortable in Babylon. Well, we sing exactly so many songs, and the preacher preaches exactly so. We'll be dismissed by this time. Well, you obviously ain't ever come to church here. <laughs> and we're going to have one special. We'll have as many specials as we want to have. We'll sing as long as the Lord leads us to sing. We'll worship as long as the Lord leads us to worship. We're not getting too comfortable here in Babylon to, to where we can't let the Spirit move. <laughs> going home. Going home. You've got too comfortable in your traditions. I like not being too comfortable. Let me talk to you about this just for a minute. I'm glad it's not just some tradition of worship to some traditional God in this church. I'm glad that you can't be comfortable here with Babylon in your life. When Babylonian garments are seen in the house of God, it should be called out. When Babylonian styles are seen in the house of God, it should be called out. When the pleasures of Babylon are becoming the pleasures of the people of God, it should be called out. You can't get too comfortable here because then you won't leave. We are not to assimilate into this culture. There is still to be a distinct difference between the people of God and the world. When it gets to the place that brothers have to turn their head in the house of God, that is a shame. And if that girl that's dressed that way ain't an adult, it's a shame on the father that let it happen. What about boys? Boys, Babylonian style, same thing goes for you. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to hide, but we see those spirits. Most of the spirits of fashion are homosexual spirits. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, look up one time who designs the clothes, and it'll explain itself. They talk about things. That, I read an article the other day saying they are purposely designing jeans in a way that, that, that would make the male shape look female. By the way they design the jeans. That's what they say, not what we say. That's what they say. To make man's shoulders not look so square. Give them outfits that take away the broadness of their shoulders. When we see those things creeping into the house of God, it should be called out. We can't get comfortable. Those are the things of Babylon. I want a place where there's victory, not a place where the harps are hung on the willow tree. I want a place where the dance of victory isn't mocked. I want a place where the ministry can say what the word of God says so that I don't get too comfortable here. It's good to be made uncomfortable from time to time. 
It makes you check yourself at least if you have the right spirit. If you don't have the right spirit, then getting called out will make you angry. Listen, I'm going to talk a little bit about me for a second. Because it makes it easier to swallow when the preacher has a real moment. All right? I've always loved sports. Shocker to a lot of y'all, right? No, I said, no. It's okay. It's a real moment. I grew up in them. My dad played. My brother played. I played. My dad was a coach. I was a coach. I enjoy sports. Do you think that I get upset when Brother Tim or another brother comes and points out the dangers of loving those things? Or how wrong it is to make those athletes and those people a god or an idol in your life? No. Of course not. Because it's a balance that needs to be brought that I need to hear. Or else I might get too comfortable. So when the man of God comes and he hits on something that you like to do. And we go, he's talking about me. I go, thank you, Jesus, for talking about me. Thank you, Jesus, for calling me out. Thank you for pointing me back to a balance. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care. Thank you that I'm not getting too comfortable here in Babylon. I needed that balance. I needed that. I don't want to get too comfortable here in Babylon. Brother Branham says, and I know I've got you standing. I'm done. Brother Branham says, what did David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Walk with him now. He will walk with you in the valley. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, here's the comfort we're supposed to look for. The correction of the Lord comforts me. They let me know that God is with me because he corrects me from my wrongs. Maybe he's trying to correct you tonight. Why don't you let the rod and staff comfort you? The rod is the hard preaching gospel, but it's a comfort to let me know that God speaks to me. When that type of gospel is being preached to correct me, he loves me. He wants me to come walk with him now, and then he will walk with me in that hour. Church, we can't stay here. I left so much unsaid about how the evils of this world tries to comfort you. They can't, the world can't offer you real comfort. They can't offer real comfort, so they try to offer material comforts. Try to offer you the gardens of Babylon to get you to take your mind off of home. Try to get you comfortable living here. But the king said, who will go up? Who will return? Who will go back? He says, is there any among you who's willing to go back home and do the Lord's work? I'll go. I'll go, Lord. I hadn't got too comfortable here. I don't want to stay here no more. Lord, I don't want to be bound down with the comforts of Babylon. I don't want to get so comfortable that their pleasures are running through my home and running through my life. And then I get offended when those things are caught. I call it out, Lord. Let the man of God call it out and show me thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. You love me. You care for me. He's going to get those back home that are supposed to go back home. 
There were four Elias during the time of Persian rule. I'm not counting you out tonight. If you didn't come in the first one, there was a second one. Come on. Come on. There was a third one. Get in. Come on. It's not too late. There was a fourth one that went up. Come on. We'll talk about this next time. But come on. Get in this Aaliyah. Come on back. Come on back to the homeland. Go all the way back. God hasn't forgot you. There's another Aaliyah. Brother Branham says in this picture way down in Iran. He said, you read it in Look Magazine. This is the last thing I'm reading. How they took big planes and went down there and got plane loads of these Jews. Thousands of them been down there since the carrying away of Babylon. They were still there. But he hadn't forgotten. Been in there for 2,500 years. And they've been left down there. They were plowing with old wooden instruments. They know nothing about Jesus even being on the earth. They know nothing about anything but their old Jewish traditions. Traditions that they had lived by. And when these planes sat down and began to load these Jews on to take them back to the homeland, the prophet prophesied 2,800 or, or 30, 30 years ago and said, when they come out of that captivity, God's going to bring them forth on the wings of eagles. The prophet saw that plane coming. He saw them sitting down and picking them up and taking them back to the homeland. He didn't know what to call it. Just looked like an eagle to him. So he said they'd be brought back on the wings of eagles. And when they got out of that airship and the young was helping the old and they were interviewing them and they said, have you come back to the homeland to die? They said, no, we've come to see the Messiah. I just want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in my life. I want to see Jesus in evening like tabernacle. I want to see Jesus in your life. Go back tonight. Turn back to the homeland tonight. Turn back to what he called you to be. Go back home so we can see Jesus. Are you just tarrying here in Babylon till you die? No, I just want to see the Messiah. I just want to see Jesus. And I want everything of Babylon stripped away from me. And one of these mornings on the wings of an eagle. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm not staying here. Don't stay where you're at. Go home, church. Go home, church. Go home tonight. Don't stay in Babylon. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Hallelujah. God bless you. Sing it for us, Brother Andrew. I will.